Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and I'm here with Matt Leach. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. How are you? Very good, thank you. That's good. My voice went up because I'm so excited. Um, This is the second last episode as part of your trip um, to Brisbane at the design conference. Yes, we're nearly there. I think this was recorded on Friday night, the second last night of the conference. So... Before we jump in, a major sponsor of Design Conference is also a supporter of us, Streamtime. I've talked a bit about what they were doing at the conference before, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to a panel that they ran, which was called How Can I Get Paid More for Doing What I Love? It was hosted by Andy Wright and Chris Du, Amanda Manila, Mercedes Bazan, all on stage working through their very different perspectives. Chris, obviously, from the teaching side, Amanda from the company side, Mercedes was awesome to have there as well because she had this kind of independent freelancer side of things. Awesome breakout. I also want to just say thanks to Matt Haynes and the Brisbane Design Conference for giving us access to all these speakers. I've been speaking to Matt and they've got some really big plans for next year, which is their anniversary. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Sounds good. So who do we have for the second last episode of this series? We're at Joseph Mark, the studio in Brisbane. So as part of the design conference, they have this studio visit for VIPs. So I managed to sneak the CEO, Ben Johnston, and ECD, Alex Nagavi, upstairs into the meeting room for a bit of a chat. So if you can hear background noise, that's because there's a bit of a party going on downstairs. So that's what that was when I was editing it. I see. That makes so much sense now. Um, What did you guys and girls get a chance to talk about? Yeah, well, it's girls because on this episode, I'm joined by Prue Jones, the design and creative director at Fjord. Prue has never met Ben or Alex before, so I was super keen for them to meet. And we're better than doing a recorded podcast. So natural. But all of... Yeah, exactly. All of Prue's interests about future technology, I just I just knew they'd get along really well. So especially with all the work that Joseph Mark is doing in that area. And because of that, there's lots of sharing of ideas and a great discussion that's probably less about what Joseph Mark does and probably more about the future of design or or just the future really. It kind of goes everywhere. I mean you edited. How would you describe it? Yeah, I think I think the match of Prue with this studio was was perfect because I'm thinking back to other people who talk about the future and, and Prue in my eyes is is very much a futurist and and they both talk in such su- such a way that so few other people do and it almost like it bleeds way out of design and the future of work and the future of humanity which is something really different and you know it, it sort of kicks in after a lot of chatting about LA and which is really really fun uh, and then it takes this this big left turn into uh, what are humans going to be doing? Uh, will we have work and what will work mean? And it's super fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think whenever I speak to Ben, like Ben, uh, I think it, there's no secret there that, that he's my d- design crush. But whenever I speak to him, it there's always a part in the conversation where he just starts talking about something completely naturally that just blows your right. mind. Yeah. And, uh, but it, if you're any of the listeners out there specifically interested in learning more about Joseph Mark, this is probably not the episode. You should probably check out episode 31 with Jess Haddart, who is the other CEO of Joseph Mark and also Ben's partner. We'll link that in the show notes. That's a really good idea. Um, that's a really great chat that we had with Jess quite a long time ago now. Quite a long time. Yeah, it is. When we were young. Shall we jump in? When we were young. Let's jump in. Yeah, 
if we're going to go down that wormhole, we mm. can go down that wormhole. Really? Yes. Okay. I've already started recording. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it's surprising, like, even just walking in this afternoon and, like, bumping into some old friends and they're like, oh, man, I was on the Falls Farm Instagram this morning. Can we just all move there? And I'm like, <laughs> totally. And and this concept of, like, we, I guess we're fortunate we've got our... Like it's obviously Jess and myself, and then both of our sets of parents, and really? also then our it's it's yeah, adorable. and our little <laughs> squid, and so there's yeah. like a three generational thing going on. But it is it's very tribal, um, and my old man actually set up a commune on the Sunshine Coast in the 70s, which is still now flourishing, and this wow. idea of the New Age commune. Like, we're meant to be together. Mm. Oh, isn't that what James, James Brown's talk, you know, the blue zone, the things that you need to live a long life? Is, em- is empowered women. That, mm. Yeah, well, that's very that important. That was good to say. But, but it sounds like you've got that sort of going on. You're all going to live to 100 plus. Oh, does yeah, you, if does I that don't keep on drinking beer? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How about the idea of your mother-in-law living to 100? Is that okay? <laughs> we have a very interesting relationship, <laughs> in a funny way. Yeah. Cool. We get, we actually weirdly, she's also our bookkeeper for Joseph Mark. Yeah. Oh. Shout out to Val. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Val. She keeps us all paid, and so along with living this quiet, like that side of my life, very connected. Then my yeah, mother-in-law is our bookkeeper, so knows all of that side of the business. Yeah. Also knows everything that goes through my personal account because that's linked to the business. <laughs> and, um, well, there's about three people in the business that have, like, access to my emails. So I'm... I live a very, very transparent life. Yeah. Like I have to, yeah. <laughs> mm. cannot fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I love the fact that they'll know that you fucked up before you oh. probably even. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably the only saving grace is yeah. There's a, you know, we've got. Well, we uh, <laughs> we've got a bar. And so I can rack up on the bar tab without it actually going through <laughs> on the transaction. So there is oh, still... That's yeah. why you created the bar. Yeah. So you've got a farm with a bar. It does sound like paradise. <laughs> uh, moving in. <laughs> yeah. So fl- flipping completely, what's living in LA like? <laughs> it's it's definitely not like a farm life. It's uh, It's interesting. I don't know if you saw our talk today, but... We weren't underestimating how many people we've we've met and known. LA is a crazy place filled with a lot of creative, interesting people, and that's what I love about it. But on the flip side, I don't love the actual like architecture or the the the, the, the city planning. Yeah, it's I love walkable cities. I love to you know go out and see nature. And you know the good thing about LA is that you can do a lot of good weekend trips, and there's the mountains and the beach, but. You know where we are, particularly um, in West Hollywood. It's it's you know it's blocky. It's a concrete. Jungle. It is. It is. It is. And you have to drive everywhere. And talking yeah. of driving, great segue coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was driving some of the American guests because we're at the design conference, mm. and they were like remarking uh, how much Brisbane reminds them of LA. Yeah. Well, wow. so when we when we re- relocated a couple of years ago. <laughs> Wait, I, wait. I'm just going to straight out say that's extremely weird because I see near zim- zero resemblance. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. When we relocated a bunch of people and half of them had never even been to the States. Right. And for them, it wasn't a huge culture shock. 
Uh, mm. And I think it wasn't a huge change because there is something about maybe just California as well in general yeah. that, and, and Australia, how there's a bit more of a laid back attitude. Yeah. The weather is really lovely. So mm. there's definitely those similarities. And then I will also say with LA, although it's like this concrete jungle, Brisbane, Brisbane and LA, I can kind of see those similarities a little bit. Like there's almost like a little uh, lack of... Um, like history almost like i know that's hard, harsh to say but no you know it's a good observation it's like we've got all these new buildings in, mm. in brisbane and yeah. and which which are quite often right next to a really old building like there's been yeah. no kind of planning exactly kind of and so when you go to la every single building next to each other is like completely different architecture yeah. and there's mm. no there's no consistency and that's a little bit like brisbane and i and i, I don't i don't mind it mm. <laughs> Well, obviously, the uh, one of the benefits to living in LA is the proximity to the incredible life it looks like you have had over there. Um, <laughs> and I loved the first part of your talk when you were talking. You were like doing some power name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but what I loved, sort of probably most of all, was the gif of Liam Liam Hensworth <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the sort of transparent white shirt being lost. When, when you fainted, this wasn't was. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I need to go to the bathroom. I, I, I yes. did, yeah. <laughs> That's actually when I did go to the bathroom. Yeah. No, actually, um, I, I, I really appreciated that. Thank you very yeah, much. No, You're right. welcome. We but did for the ladies. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it sort of started me thinking like, okay, so I'd love to hear a story from both of you <laughs> on your the most crazy situation or thing that you were involved in. Before kicking into that, I, I, yeah, we've been extremely fortunate in terms of LA. Like, it's... Most of the team, especially the female team, when they'd go through customs, they literally would be asked or immigration, oh, let me guess, you're here to be an actor. And that is, that's no word of a lie. Like the city just obviously attracts people that want to make it big. Um, and so we got a, a certain – we had a certain – They didn't say that to you? No, no. I, I have got a very – interesting uh hemsworth like story through that do, which, do tell do tell <laughs> um well i was sitting in immigration you're doing the stamps way here blah 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 and then the immigration officer uh gets a phone call in his little booth and he's and he's like looking at me and he's it's never a good sign and he, they, he puts it back down and like he smiles and he's like you know looks at me did you hear that I'm like nah He's like, my colleague over there is wondering if you're Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, my, my funniest story was when we did the, I think it was the Santa Monica and West Hollywood Halloween walk. And it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. Everyone goes to the nines dressing up because it's Hollywood, right? Everyone has makeup artists and they've got the costumes. And we're here. We weren't plan planning for it. And we're just in our T-shirt and jeans. And we're walking down. And pretty much every single person was like, Thor! <laughs> 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 yeah. well, this is yeah well then the th okay then the third story to that is we actually ended up not doing it but so we do have a relationship with the the hemsworths and can you can you hook me up no just, just um <laughs> but like so he's got a full-time personal trainer and so uh -huh. we were looking at working yeah. with the full-time personal trainer and I guess basically they were bartering with him to just go, can you come and try to make Ben look like Chris? Like, and we'll do all of your web. I'm like, and I wasn't even in these negotiations. Like, fuck, I really feel like an object now. Uh, 
But sidetrack. Um, yeah, so we, 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 were, we were fortunate that we entered LA and we, we built us, we, we had a certain echelon of network. And so we have, yeah, we've managed to find ourselves in some pretty crazy, very Hollywood situations yeah. uh, more often than not and met, uh, yeah, as Alex pointed out, quite a few interesting people. So mm. our Elliot A experience has very much lived up to its name. Okay. Mm. Can you go into specific? <laughs> you want specifics. I want a story. Prue, Prue wants one from each of you. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, out of which one do you want? Um, probably, oh. I, I guess uh, mine would probably be uh, going to Adam Sandler's Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. It sounds way more hilarious than it actually was. But <laughs> <laughs> you go there, we're like, this is going to be awesome. And they were just like, uh, just there was dinner. bowling, there was an ice skating rink, and it was pretty much like 800 actors, actresses. Wow. Like just, he does it every just, year. He, he just throws this it's massive crazy. Christmas party. I think the year I went, it was like Axl Rose and Vanilla Ice performing on stage with Adam Sandler. Holy hell. And it was just <laughs> the weirdest combination of people. And then every time you'd turn around, it'd be like, oh, they're just like doing pirouettes on the ice skating rink, like some famous person and other person's bowling. And you were just like, what the hell? Surreal? And this was like. probably one of the early years as well. So we were very fresh to the LA scene. <laughs> so we just like and wide now, eyed. So, so now you're like, oh, sorry, Adam, I can't make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Washing my Don't hair. Don't even ask <laughs> yeah, there's 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 been a few. I, probably the 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 story with Pharrell was was pretty crazy. So one of the ventures that we've got, um, Pharrell's been part of that, and so yeah, we've hung out in the studio a bunch of times with him, and just well, hung out in general. And this one night, uh, he was going to cameo on the cameo on the Entourage movie and so yeah if you know entourage it's like the stereotypifying la and um if there's a one scene in the movie where turtle is having a party and pharrell turns up and so it's in this like massive house that's in malibu and there's 250 extras that are all there like makeshift party so and the film crew is like it is over the top and yeah, I'm I'm there rolling in with Pharrell and his partner and uh, um, like one of my other buddies. So there's like the four of us in like the Escalade rolling into this makeshift Hollywood party as Pharrell's entourage, <laughs> and then walking into this makeshift party with um, yeah as his entourage, and and then he cameoed and the whole lot. So met all the uh, all the guys that night, and it was yeah it was it was just, it was just really. Bizarre thing. How um, many times have you watched the film? Only once. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not just on repeat. Like, oh, it, it was just there, like there it's, it, it's so meta. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, but good fun. And it, and you, I guess it's, it's the same as JT. Like these guys, you realise, yeah, they've had certain fortunes to get to where they are, but they're so incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. and. Then I guess when you get to that level of stardom, you have this. It's it's not arrogance. It's just this confidence that, like, obviously they're dealing with their own demons. But it's so interesting to be in their presence because they. I don't get starstruck, but I don't know if it's just that perception or this confidence that you get when you are 
an A-grade celebrity. Mm. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, any friends though. Like they, yeah, to they have to live a certain life, and like, sure, it's 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 cool, but we, yeah, we have certain freedoms that aren't afforded to them. You mentioned ventures before. <laughs> yeah. Great segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one time we mentioned on, that on word. To the, yeah, on to the serious questions. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought this was, yeah, TMZ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how many ventures have you done? Because like, I think when you were coming on, yeah. was it 20 ventures in 10 years? Mm. Uh, yeah, we, I think mm. actually. Uh, well, it, it depends. So there's, I guess you have to break it down. There's two two types of venturing that we do. So we do what we refer to as like incubated venturing and then joint venturing. So with 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 partners. So we smoke we spoke today a lot about the incubated venturing model, but uh, predominantly, yeah, today a lot of our stuff has been joint venturing, which means that it's an existing team and we'll either be co-founders or will come in at a certain point early early stage and and and, and be a significant part of the uh, the growth or the execution of the business and also be an equity partner so all up like if you include all of those then i think we're uh, yeah we're 30 plus in terms of what wow. we've been exposed to and yeah we currently have 15 yeah, plus in our portfolio right yeah. currently running well, current the current sort of assets in yep. our portfolio, mm. so that we've got yeah varying degrees of interest in. Mm. Not all of those, obviously, we are active like day to day, and well, in fact, most of those we aren't. Mm. And some of those have have been incubated ventures, which have got dedicated teams, and then other ones have got te- other dedicated teams that are doing their own thing. So, mm. now the talk you did today was mainly around ventures. Mm. I was interested how how much of the percentage of the business is ventures yeah i mean it sort of it varies right but yeah. we are working towards the model where it is 100 percent right ventures yeah and any given day or week about 60 percent yeah 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 it's it's we've had we've 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 been fortunate in the sense that we've essentially utilized like the balance sheet of the consultancy to reinvest into venturing, which gives us the freedom to be able to do what we do. And yeah, we've chosen that path. And as we touched on, like it's been, I guess it's yeah, helped us do what we've managed to do. Like, mm. it, like the, 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 the pattern has been, hey, we see something, we start building it, you get a name for doing that. And we not, might not be monetizing that particular or commercializing that particular venture, but then that opens up a whole network of people looking at that and they're like, I want you know, something like that, can you come and build it? So like at the moment where um, we got invited to uh, look at redesigning, say, the Pink Floyd website. So like... Holy hell. Like amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just like oh awesome and but that's all due to to venturing like that's all due to building relationships yeah. through the various like music related ventures that we've done mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. and a lot which never made like turned a dime but mm-hmm. we do understand that space and we have bought, built the relationship so yeah. it sort of all comes around I'm a massive yeah. Pink Floyd fan <laughs> <laughs> I'm straight away I'm like we can tell you some story <coughs> check out the current site really <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's like literally designed in 1998 90, or something yeah. like it's that. probably awesome 
No, like, so the thing well, is, it was designed by the the designer, the artist who did all of the Pink Floyd album covers. Right. Ah. And before he died, the last thing he worked on was the website. And I think it was maybe 2004, but when you when you look at it, it's like they really are trying to keep his legacy yeah. alive. Yeah. It's but a website the, from the, 2004. Yeah, but that's <laughs> amazing though. Like you don't, you know, that's a veritable digital time capsule because yeah. you don't, totally. you know, the web just changes all the time, mm-hmm. obviously. And there's very few sites like that that are yeah. still totally. there. Well, I think they're going to archive it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I want to see it now. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's Definitely check it out. (laughs) But you were talking before about consultancy, you know. Who are your clients? Pink Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) Slap more interesting than some of ours. Sony Legacy. It's so varied. Yeah. And especially between the two studios as well. Right. So in LA, we have this wicked opportunity to work on Perry Farrell's from from Jane's Addiction. He's working on a um, immersive theater experience in Vegas. Oh, wow. So we're if anybody's seen Sleep No More, it's basically Sleep No More 2.0. On steroids, mm. basically, yeah. yeah. Mm. So there'll be um, actors all around and you're you're walking through and it's, it's meant to represent this sort of new futuristic state of um, Southeast Asia. And it just, it, it looks like it's going to be like ridiculous but we've been um, invited to do the branding and the digital components for that Mm -hmm. so what we're Mm -hmm. really looking forward to is getting our hands dirty with the physical and digital and how they merge between AR and and VR yeah so I mean you talked a lot about process today and and sort of (laughs) maybe a bit too much (laughs) but no but you're you're no no it was really it was fascinating but like your typical design process when you have a job like that like how do you even begin yeah i had a couple of specific questions about that sort of stuff but Mm. see if you cover it when you start (laughs) answering we've started to learn how to work with people of influence a little bit better especially in la like it is a just a different way of working and interacting and, and building that relationship with them what's your tips um, it definitely building that rapport yeah. and I mean that goes for any any client yeah. but they really need to have that trust in you and they need to know you personally for you to actually have the, the impact in that relationship. In a way, they can be also really awful clients because they're used to getting their way. So right. let's be let's face it, like you have to build that rapport so they... Yeah. yeah. Does being Australian kind of help there? Like Absolutely. It, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah, in it. the case of Portia de Rossi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can see, yeah we can see why. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I don't think she likes Australians, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> well, she likes you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, she likes you. <laughs> BFFs. <laughs> to the process, I, I guess we have, yeah, that that ventures process that we spoke about this afternoon, and and we wanted to deliberately go into a level of depth with it because it is what is exciting us at the moment, and it is the like the opportunity to rethink how a creative studio works is, well, to me, it's just like it's super fascinating, and to try to design each one of those elements that we've learned through experience over the years into that process. Um, and so we actually, a lot of that has come 
back full circle to the consulting work, the, the that immersion piece that mm. we were talking about, that is typically the first piece of engagement that we will work with with a, a brief, like um, what Alex Alex was talking about with, with Kind Heaven. So yes, it's a branding piece, yeah, but it, it, it's it's a whole lot of unknown still to that actual like business. And so we need to do the same sort of process. We need to understand what their their, their model is, like, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, it's go, it goes really deep but because we've we're sort of trained as a team now to think about it as our own business then i think that brings quite a unique aspect to then also our creative process like we're not just asking those questions as a consultant like we are literally invested yeah yeah and and we're relating them to also the the sort of criteria and the critique that we're also doing in our own businesses so we we want to understand how like kind heaven as a multi-hundred million dollar like investment in Vegas is going to actually work and then we can help both on the obviously on the creative side but then introduce a whole bunch of different strategies that they might not be thinking mm. and so mm. yeah that's how it typically works mm. and then we also yeah, we, we, we do work with like clients that are I guess your 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 um, enterprise clients being brought in to go through those early stage visioning and envisioning practices, um, through to what we refer to as almost funded startups. Like we get like it's a continuous stream of startups that aren't funded that uh, <laughs> come to that us wanting at the, funding. At the door. <laughs> right. And sometimes we take sympathy, but um, has anyone ever come to you with an idea where you've just gone, "This is outstanding. We have to, we have to take this, even though we've got no money." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say maybe more in the early days. Like, usually, the ability for. Because ultimately you're investing in the person, and that's quite cliche to say. But mm. at that point, you you are so ideas are worth next to nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, mm. Again, cliche. It's all in the execution. But if someone comes to us with something that is legitimately getting us excited, we'll then invest a uh, a little bit of time into helping them frame that narrative that we're talking about, mm. Mm. and then see if they can then go and activate that narrative. So it's sort of like a uh, yeah a benchmark, if you like, mm. to for us to test whether it should go any further. Mm. And we'll quite often do that. And it, it's usually someone that's either like a domain expert or they're probably in tech, where it's they're, they're bringing something fresh and new to the table that yeah. we are yeah. we, that gets us excited. Actually, that's probably a good point. Yeah, we do do a. a a fair bit of work with deep technical teams that especially um more recently in the ai space that are building yeah. like ridiculous things yeah right and then you meet them and you're like okay so what are we going to do with this and they're like oh that's what <laughs> <laughs> and so well, they're some yeah. of the most exciting ones like you get mm. to productize this yeah. insane tech. Um, yeah well that mm. was one of the uh, questions that i really wanted to ask you specifically about um demand testing Okay, and, yeah. and yeah, methodologies for demand testing. Like, I'm not trying to get inside IP or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but what kind of what kind of techniques you might use? <laughs> you just write them down for me. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so this this and we sort of said, this is quite a new area that we're yeah. where we are testing as well. But I guess in 
the venture process or the innovation process, you're always trying to you know, de-risk your hypothesis as efficiently as you possibly can. It's a very technical way of saying it, but yeah, um, yeah this whole notion of taking those techniques, as we were saying today, that are usually used for growth techniques after you've got a product to try to find your customers. Yeah. It's quite simple. It's just, it is taking those similar type of techniques applying them at the start of the process and then validating your assumptions yeah. around who your end user is. Yeah, and right. so um, we go through it like we literally go through a similar type of process that you'd be going through in a growth, uh, like a targeted sort of growth strategy where you are targeting your assumed customer mm-hmm. and then you're just iterating on the optimization of that yeah that, that that customer and you get to a point you have uh you like you're both tweaking your messaging but you're also looking at well what is that cost of user acquisition and we just bake that into working out mm-hmm. whether we should move forward with a, a project or not mm-hmm. so obviously only work, like it works for b2c yeah uh type of propositions didn't mention this this afternoon but that level of accuracy and articulation like both for your your own confidence which is what we're doing it for in terms of okay are we going to invest the next whatever it is hundreds of thousands into the sprint phase before we're doing that obviously we want to have as much data as we possibly can but also for uh, investors like so this technique we we actually picked up from a, a group in the states and they're they're going in and investing into companies that haven't actually done this before so they've got they, and and they've already got a product but then they're going in doing this demand testing and then like tripling the valuation when they go back out to market because they've got hard data around these key components of what is going to make a, a company successful or not so we mm. borrowed that technique and then brought it into the ventures process yeah because ultimately we're really just trying to make the right bet faster right and yeah. that envisioning piece that we spoke about earlier is so important for us to figure out what that narrative is mm-hmm. for the opportunity that we're essentially going to be selling through that demand testing yeah. phase yeah and if we don't get that right then we can we can tweak yeah. it during that phase as well and and yeah. figure out what actually will work yeah and that really helps us then figure out how we go and build that um, yeah. after that demand testing can, can you talk a bit about the i think you call them stage gates mm. yeah just um just quickly because I, I thought that that graphic Mm. It was quite funny because you brought it up and then you like grayed out some of it and everyone's like put their phones down. <laughs> I, then, I actually, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then you showed a little bit more and they were like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's so much detail <laughs> to that actual graphic because it's, it's, there's so many things going on. Like at, at one end, what we're trying to do is bring everybody along on that journey to, yep. to, to help with that sort of decision-making and democratise that decision-making. And in the early stages, we don't have any data. Like, well, we've got signals, but we don't have firm data. So you're relying on the experience of your pl- close proximity team to understand the space to then go, okay, let's surface these ones to the top and then we'll make small investments, which is what Alex was talking about in these sort of envisioning sprints. But they're fairly low commitment. Like they're two or three people, yeah. one week. Like it, 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 you can afford to do them 
week in and week out. I guess that's interesting in its own right because you are, this is going to sound quite arrogant, but like pretty much every single one of those, if we went and went down to the local startup pitch competition, then they'd... This does sound arrogant, but they pro- probably <laughs> yeah. win the pitch competition, like because they're they're well they're they're refined. They're yep. not some startup team doing this for the first time. They're just building, and we've got so many different, I guess, techniques and tools within those phases phases to to go really deep that you can produce a really high yeah high fidelity output. Probably something we didn't like. We're fascinated with this machine human collaboration piece oh, and me the, too. Yeah, and just the optimization and of creativity and i guess we yeah we we do, we really speak to it at a technical level but it's actually embracing machine machines to help like be more creative and that is awesome we see a time and that whole methodology is actually just a giant pattern and so when you've got a pattern, you can optimise the pattern. But we see a time where we'll be able to go to some sort of interface and go, okay, I'm thinking of an idea in music in this space and it's going to do all of those calculations. Like We'll be able to programmatically mm. uh, do all those calculations mm. and it will spit out the brand, the marketing messaging, who you should target, like whether the business model. But that's where we're going. So... All of this is actually just building that cypher system. Mm. Do you draw the line at neural lace, though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been not quite neural lace, but we've been thinking very much about the future of work and we are still working in this traditional contracts. People have full-time contracts, four-week salary, you know, holidays, all of that sort of shit. But more and more that we delve into high-performing teams and we're focusing on athletic high-performing teams and they've got coaches and they sort of do training and then you go out on the field for an hour. And so we want to continue to move to that type of space and we're dabbling with the idea of coaches and so on and so forth, but also using technology and looking at like cognitive load, like measuring mm-hmm. cognitive yeah. load wow. and then going into spaces and we whether they're full virtual spaces or they're smart rooms essentially and then programming, okay, this is what we want to solve now, bring in the right people, everybody checks in their cognitive load and then the room <laughs> helps you run through and facilitate whatever process you're doing and then you leave much like a high-performing team going to a basketball yeah. match and playing their game for 60 minutes. Wowzers. So that's that, I, I guess that's where we, we're sort of... We, we, we go to all sorts of crazy conferences. Like, we, we sort of go to design conferences, but we go to, like, the last one we were in SF a few mm. weeks ago, and it was a cognitive high-performer conference. Like, they have conferences for that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Holy hell. And, and, and they're you've amazing. got neural right. scientists, you've got like circus surgeons, circus Soleil, <laughs> and they're all talking about these things that you, on the surface, don't look like they relate to our industry whatsoever, but it's just, it's so fascinating to us in this whole future of Yeah, work. but don't you mm. think that those technologies, though, I mean, yeah, you kind of say, how do they relate to our field of work? They actually just relate to life and they're going to change everything. So yeah. there's not one part of our existence that those technologies is not going to radically disrupt. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. 
100%. And that's where the, like the, the, the smart equity that we touched on this afternoon, mm. actually all of that is a framework to shift the whole notion of remuneration. So yeah. what we're actually building in and because we can sort of systemize it and look at the pattern is that you can essentially set up, okay, if this is a task, then there can it, you just fully gamify it. Like that task is worth X and within your own team, let's everybody works at their own different paces and let's uh, like map it out and solve all of those tasks to an outcome. And then that weights your remuneration in that yeah. actual outcome. Is so that kind of yeah. like what Amazon's doing in its fulfillment centers? A little bit. Oh, we're, yeah. we're more looking at, um, I'm, I'm fascinated with like multiplayer gameplay. Yeah. So your Dota 2s and so yeah. on and so forth, how they, um, how how there's a whole bunch of different weightings. You've got your particular skills. You go in, they self-assemble teams, and then they'll go into a tournament. So I think that there is definitely a world with where we as creatives and technical people and strategists start plugging into these worlds to solve really radical problems in a totally different context in these these facilitated worlds. And I th- and I and I actually think that it will happen in the next decade. Yeah, I, I potentially agree. I mean, yeah, the way. Oh, did you see that really dystopian kind of video that was going around a couple of years ago about the the whole, you know, basically life being a, a gamified thing, and that you did you do you know the a, one I'm talking a about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the, yeah, the nosedive episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But there was a there was this specific. I can't remember who made it now, but it, there was a, a dystopian kind of video going around about you know it was somebody on a bus and she was trying to get something done and you know she didn't have enough credits and idea i mean that, those things yeah. can yeah. go radically wrong right yeah. um there's 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 a whole bunch of ripple effects mm-hmm. you know we, we sort of talk about the disruption of multiple industries blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. it's mm-hmm. like just a just a topic yeah it, it is it's it's on our doorstep absolutely it's, it, in, yeah. in, mm-hmm. and i think we are in a very privileged position collectively as creatives because we've got that ability to problem solve but for so many people out there like i i still haven't got my head around how it's actually going to play out yes there are going to be new jobs but they're not going to be the type of jobs yeah Mm. and the the reskilling yes it's going to happen but not to the scale of what how our infrastructure works at the moment yeah well there's that statistic isn't it? like 65 percent of school-aged uh well there'll be of school-aged children's you know when they leave there's 65 percent of jobs will be completely different so they yeah you know yeah um at this point i still think i I should say that i think it's criminal that universities are still bringing on law students in the quantities that they are yeah i i I literally think that 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 will be completely actually yeah and they know it as well Mm. Ben, do you think you'll send Flo to school? <laughs> How old is your child? I want to hear that question. Yeah. Yes. How old is... You should come on the podcast. <laughs> How old is your child? 20 months. Right. Um, uh, See, so that's, that's a... <laughs> um, I, at this stage, the plan is that she will go like to primary school. But, yeah, she... I, I, very much doubt it that she'll go to a high school like we know it at the moment. Mm. I think yeah. that yeah, there's 
the way that learning is going and it, it's it's going to be a whole new world like it, it will be foolish to go mm. to an actual yeah. proper school as mm. we yeah. know it mm. my yeah. kid's 12 and he's being educated like it's the 19th century yeah. yes mm. you know yeah. and it's um in a group of 30 people yeah. and marked yeah. like 30 people yeah yeah so i i think I, that's I'm legitimately excited for what that looks like. And mm. obviously there's the social element yeah. that people talk about, but mm. that will all, yeah, it will flip on its head. And I'm also excited to get, well, I'm, you know, I'll stay long as, as possible, uh, stay young as long as possible, obviously, but also excited to get old. Like, I think the most exciting thing for me about, not excited, but I, I, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> Put it this way, like the most exciting thing about all of this immersive tech is at the moment my grandma has to, you know, she sits at home and she has to watch midday TV, which would kill anybody. We're going to be able to sit, you know, wherever at home and just have the most radical experiences, (laughs) like the teenage experiences, like that's going, you know, if we make it to that point, we're going to have really rad later lives because of technology so Mm, i think that's a whole really exciting space in itself yeah from the presentation earlier um from working co and how she showed the video of the kid putting on the vr and they could just articulate where he wanted to see himself in the world and he was just there in an instant and like I, i love that i think there's such possibility there when we are getting older and we are no longer feeling like we are isolated from the rest of the world or our families like right now i you know i call my family weekly and we have facetime which is awesome yeah. but i'm looking forward to the point where if we are if we do have to be separated across different continents that we could almost be physically in the same space together. i think yeah. i think that's the big thing so um my, my son lives in in the uk and and we talk every week but i saw him a couple of weeks ago in the same space where we were together and we hung out for a couple of weeks and there was something really un- intangible about the difference between, even so I knew everything that had been going on in his life, it's like sitting across from someone was really different. And totally. you, and you touched like, on the social yeah. thing for schools as well, which is mm. obviously like it, it's our kids aren't going through mm. a great experience at the moment, but they're learning all those social skills. Mm. That's like it, what, it, what it, T was saying, you know, with the, the screen thing, mm, yeah. you know, and it's the, the experience of being at the design conference is obviously very different if you're sitting in the audience than if you yeah. were just watching her mm. speak on a screen somehow. While we're on this track, mm. like, might as well bring sex into it. Oh yeah, I knew this um, was going to happen. <laughs> now again about the Hemsworth, like okay. <laughs> um, the water pistol. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we can make that happen. We've 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 been really interested in this space. We initially got interested in the space around sex education and the taboo. Oh, I thought you were going to say sex robots. That's, actually, that's coming. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but 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 actually in the um, the relationship that the younger generation has with what is love and what is sex oh and because God. of mm. the ease of access to hardcore pornography, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why I guess we've been generally fascinated in this space. And then as we presented this afternoon, we, 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 we've collected gangsters that are domain experts in that space and we're, we're exploring a whole bunch of really, really interesting things, one of which is... With a group that are called are called Brave, Bravi, Brave. Mm. Anyway, they're Russian, um, and they are building an AI intimacy app, 
And what this is meant to do is to essentially analyze your yeah your 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 compatibility, but trying to help people that are already in a relationship to have better relationships and by prompting certain things and to be essentially more sexually active. If you look at that, then we are we are also fast approaching this stage where there will be some level of analysis you go to the bar or you might be on tinder or whatever and it's going to give you a sexual compatibility score with that potential date because everybody has obviously different levels and different yeah i'm liking this (laughs) (laughs) but 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 but, uh, like i probably think about it often like that that, Mm. that it is it's such a um intrinsic part of a successful relationship which is very hard to vocalize yeah. when you're on the first date so mm. do you like leather <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you think about that and you've got sort of the these these they're not explicit profiles they're implicit profiles and there's a whole bunch of data to support these types of relationships then a machine will be able to provide a lot of accuracy to the deepest desires of our like yeah. partner on so many fronts and so i think we will get to a stage mm. where it will be like a hey are we a are you a before ai relationship well it's already <laughs> happening now to, to a lesser degree with you know tinder relationships and so it's it's so common now that it's like oh you you got married and you met on tinder okay cool yep that's, that's i'd normal. say that those relationships are not the norm <laughs> <laughs> from tinder yeah. how far is that way do you think that is now that's that's already available in its beta form right um, and I think it's where does yeah. the data come from, though? Like, what what are the inputs to there? They're, they've they've got a number of sexologists and uh, psychologists, the relationship psychologists that are inputting certain data. You, so you, you have to so try. You have to try everything. Like no, you no, have no, to no, no, tell no. They don't. Somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're building up the data set, but and it's interesting enough. We yeah we had a project with UPorn, which was dealing with a similar type of subject it was just a dumb system not a smart system like yeah. this the other conversation i don't know how did we get there it's a, it's a really it's fascinating like we're, we're in this sort of, sort of void so let's keep on talking about it i haven't ever experienced it but uh like apparently vr pornography is extremely profound have you guys experienced it yet? no i have not no. experienced it no i've okay. seen it have, have you experienced porn yes <laughs> um yeah, you, you, <laughs> 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 no, but you, you know, we, we everybody's sort of watch porn, and you and you're watching it. You're watching it through, uh, you know, a screen, a screen, yeah, a screen. It's, it's, it's yep. a thing. The the profound effect, like psychological effect, apparently, mm. like when you witness like VR pornography, is that it actually embeds in your memory. Like you were with that person last night it's not like i wow. watched this screen and entertainment it it is no that that's a because your body that was an intimacy experience yeah and so but is it augmented by kind of you know no no like augment- this this is just, just it, it is such visual. a still visual right yeah mm. it's a, such a strong image that it it implants okay. in a different you you, you reflect on it in yeah. a in a totally different way and because it's 3d <laughs> i'm assuming well, it, it's, it's you completely. I guess it's you, like it's, a game. You can look yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It's yeah, and and it could be. It's 
like live action and yeah. so on and so forth. But therefore, too, a brain is more real than a 2D yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think, and this is just because it's, a, it's been a, a, a topic of conversation. We're talking about future of education and so on and so forth. <laughs> it's obvi- but, obvious kind yeah, of like Obviously, yeah. it's a very but, strong but, connection but, but, there. But, 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 but thinking about relationships and relationships going forward and like, you know, the whole idea that you have a single relationship is like old school thinking anyway. Yeah. But thinking about that in a virtual sense, like if you can have experiences that are so real that it is it is a memory, like you've been with that person, then where do those lines get drawn? Mm. Like it's, you know, I, I'm assuming it's pretty socially accessible, acceptable that if you're in a long-term relationship, your partner might look at porn and it's not considered treating right. Mm. But if you're going into these deep, immersive experiences, yeah. what is yeah. real? Particularly yeah. when, you know, now we have VR headsets. But, you know, yeah. the time is coming when we dispense with those and it is a direct mm. neural connection. So that when, when, totally. does, when does that become like there's, you're not, you don't need an external piece of equipment to mm. do that. Mm. Yeah. It's actually just in your it, brain it anyway. Is in your <laughs> brain. Yeah. And then uh, I think so the next layer to that is the, the avatars or the people that you might be engaging with you yeah. can basically create yeah. or replicate in the instance we've been working with a company that are working on AI where they replicate people's voices and it's not just about replicating a voice it's about replicating a performance right. and uh, so you know Samuel Jackson screaming on a plane and they want to capture that performance in you know Robert Redford's voice they can basically make that happen yeah. Yeah. and they showed a demo and it was basically like the the that but with their faces and and that's coming so close to being able to essentially mimic exactly people's body like yeah with five minutes yeah with five minutes of sampling your voice yeah Yeah. they can replicate 98 percent of your your tonal yeah range are you talking about deep fakes in a way or is this more uh it's it, yes, it's deep fakes, but focused on the audio component. Audio, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. So you could have your Chris Hemsworth, you know, <laughs> in, bring in that your on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, speaking sweet things to go to sleep. It, it's an ex- it is an exciting time to be alive. Like I think we're, we're what we're going to live out in the next yeah, couple of decades is is just crazy fascinating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to bring that full circle around to yeah, I guess back to daily life, being a designer, hanging out and. You know, Brisbane, Australia. It's those things that I guess, and Alex, is, Alex said it, it's like, it's like oh, they're the conversations that we want to be in. Yeah. They're the things that we want to be building for. And you, you have to rethink how you're doing that to just be in any of these conversations to be able to be having these types of really, really crazy off-the-wall concepts to actually make them into something mm-hmm. and it and once you sort of go there like yeah we spoke about the hollywood thing it's like it's it, that that's that's fun but it's 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 also one dimensional like mm-hmm. you get some good sort of stories to tell your your, your your family at christmas time but for for us the real struggle is just when you have to go and do a job that's just fucking boring, like and and like we can find pleasure in aesthetic. Like we love yep. we love the craft of design, but 
when there are so many interesting things going on in the world, when there's so many problems in the world, when there's so many opportunities in the world, then crafting those pixels on like XYZ is just like I'm we're, we're wasting our time mm. so that that's mm. that's sort of I, I would say the struggle is we have too many opportunities and, <laughs> and options at JM and, that, and you were kind of touching on it before but I think what we do so well is we open those conversations and we open those opportunities so even if you know one of our ventures doesn't necessarily see the light of day we can still use it as a conversation yep. starter nothing's wasted a, exactly that's yeah. most of them yeah <laughs> and, and that's why um, I think we try to avoid the word failure uh, at JM as well. I think a lot of what we do is about uh, r- repeating lessons or understanding lessons and, and making sure that we're feeding it back into what we're doing. And failure just seems like such a negative word. And we do want to embrace it in that we want to make sure that we're on the right path and we're picking the, the best things that have a high likelihood of success. But we also are very cognizant that not everything is going to succeed, but how can we learn from the things that we've and, and that's what I loved about your stage gates. There, was, there were so many opportunities to sort of mm-hmm. to circle back yeah, and, and exactly. kind of keep on bringing exactly. stuff back in. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we, you know, we talked about time. Third segue coming up. <laughs> we have reached time. So no. Awesome. Oh, so like enjoying that. <laughs> well, it's time to party. It yeah, had everything. It, it, had, it had technology. It had Hemsworth. It was just. <laughs> it was the. It was my perfect conversation. <laughs> Um, the audience may have heard that there is a lot of people down below us at the <laughs> moment, so we are going to finish up and go and join the uh, the party Actually, downstairs yeah. for at the design conference. Where can people find out more about what you guys are doing personally? Oh, uh, well, you can follow me at Alex McGarvey on Instagram, but also I have a side hustle called the broke collector i love the broke collector oh do you oh cool (laughs) yeah it's just like a little side passion project and so so basically it's um it's you finding Mm. um amazing artworks Mm. at at, at incredible prices yeah yeah Um, (laughs) that's a good way of saying it yeah um yeah no it's uh, really it was about uh discovering great art that wasn't like out of uh, you know a regular person's price range, yep. and there is a lot of good stuff out there, but it's actually kind of hard to find unless you know that one particular person or that one artist. Yeah, or we'll follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Yes, please do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, farm, farm bloke. Yeah, may as well. <laughs> uh, the Falls Farm on Instagram. So that's that's my side hustle, which is yeah. Digging just, up cra- carrots. I just, I just <laughs> love the fact that you're, you're, you're able to sit here and talk about the future of sex and then, and then you go and dig up some carrots. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, like, I, I, I'm continually apologising for dirt under my fingernails because I think people think that I'm unhygienic. But it is, it's like... It's honest dirt. It's honest dirt. It's real dirt. Yeah, being able to... It's, it's, it's extremely... Um, important to me but also it's a it's a real luxury to be able to go and literally get yourself grounded every every so often so yeah that's that's that side of things and i don't i don't post that much to instagram so don't follow me on instagram (laughs) prue where can people find out about you i mean i always cite my instagram and it is probably the very wrong mix of work and non-work related material prudence m jones and or you can just email me at fjordnet.com Pru, uh, Prue.jones at pure.com. That would be handy. I think we would have got a bounce on that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm all about technology. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been great. Cheers, man.